welcome back to another episode of Dot, the podcast about everything. We're your hosts, Denise and Uma. Hello. In this week's episode of Dot, we're going to be discussing AI, or artificial intelligence. Kind of going a bit more narrow from last week's topic and from the past couple episodes regarding technology, artificial intelligence, and sort of the future of humanity in many ways. Right. So in, our pre- in one of our previous episodes where we talked about the future of technology, we touched on AIs and we talked about what AIs could do for humans and so on. But today we really want to dive into the, the topic of AI. Mm-hmm. Um, we recently saw a really interesting TED Talk by Sam Harris about the subject of AIs and what the, some of the serious implications are. So that was one of the inspirations for starting this discussion. But we're definitely going to expand on that. If you have a, I think we've mentioned this a couple times before, but if you have a smartphone, you already have a perhaps a more primitive version of an AI. If you have um, those smart home um, like temperature regulators, that's already in an, a version of an artificial intelligence that you're spending your everyday with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, for example, Google, um, Amazon, as well as Apple and other more independent companies coming out with a an AI that is envisioned to be uh, ingrained in your everyday life. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is, this is, for example, the Google Assistant, and it would be integrated with your home and essentially, as well as um, Alexa from Amazon. So th- these are the, the AIs in which you pass by Alexa and you say, Hey Alexa, show me this or play a video, play this song. And Alexa knows what you want, knows what you're asking for, and it plays it for you or provides it. Um, Google is trying to come up with a Google Assistant. It's, it's working on this assistant in which... It is, it goes a little bit beyond Alexa in that essentially it will know things that you like and then it will learn from that and suggest things that you might like based on your behavior. So Google is notorious for knowing basically your entire patterns in the web and it's going to use that information to to make suggestions that I want to buy, make suggestions on where to go, things you might like, things you may not like, mm-hmm. and so on. Um, and this kind of, when you're discussing like AI and the commercialization of AI, mm-hmm. um, it, it starts getting into the topic of an assistant that knows you right. and may even act and tell you things that you may not necessarily think you want but based on your behavior and your your past searches and whatnot it can suggest to you what i find interesting (laughs) about this part right here is that all of these ais that we're talking about now is like you said they're all assistants right you know they have very narrow motivations and i think that motivations is a very important 
part of the AI question, which I want to get into a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, even Viv, who's a more complicated AI, a more advanced form of artificial intelligence that can understand what you're asking at a deeper level, right, than other AIs. Um, even Viv is, is really just uh, a fancy um, AI that whose only purpose is to assist you with questions and kind of give you suggestions. So right. even I that th- still remains in one narrow category. Yeah, but I think perhaps the, the commercialization of AI will largely be the assistant version of an AI. Um, it seems like that that's the, the current discussion um, around the web and technology-wise is that artificial intelligence for the everyday person so for somebody that may not necessarily be have a job in science or very need to do extremely complicated tasks, for them they won't need an assistant that will need they won't need an AI that is beyond an assistant, probably. They're likely only to need an assistant that helps helps them complete tasks around the house or controls essentially their entire ecosystem mm-hmm. meaning their home i think what you just said there is so interesting because i think you just alluded to a category of ais that is to come that perhaps i don't know if this has even been defined yet but i'm thinking of a professional ai or an ai who is not just an assistant but is an expert on a specific thing or science or something like that so I'm thinking here along the lines of a future type of AI that will exist that, that is an expert AI, an mm-hmm. AI that can become part of a professional team who's, right. whose job is to help you solve difficult problems. Right, and there's already been some AIs that have been involved in scientific research. Um, there, was, there was one that was, I think it solved some genome, some, some sort of question we mentioned it in a last episode about how a worm can regenerate. Um, and it was humans spent years trying to fit, decode its genome. And then this AI did it in matters of like, I think a few minutes at maximum. <laughs> and that's just a hint of how powerful AIs are. Yeah. And I think that one of the, the futures of artificial intelligence is and this was seen largely with Viv, for example, from Viv Labs, was that the, the strength and the, the most efficient AI won't be an AI that sort of like you write the code because that's what artificial intelligence is. It's just a code, right, in the background. Um, and it's not going to be something where you code for this AI and that. And that's how it is. That's how it mm-hmm. exists. Now we're seeing people discussing the possibility of self-coding AI. Mm-hmm. And this is an, an example of it was Viv in which essentially you kind of start with a toddler. So some foundation for the code. So like mm-hmm. a baby, right? Mm-hmm. And then as it learns things, it starts to write its own code. It starts to learn. And this is when back to that assistant AI, it, it will... As you input information into it, I don't like 
spicy foods. It knows to code and it, it create that part of the code and it knows not to suggest ever to go in eat spicy Indian food. Um, and that I think is going to be quite interesting because when it comes to making an AI that is efficient and it is actually useful, that will be effective in all kinds of fields, whether mm -hmm. it is scientific, personal assistance, political. Um, that's something that will define, that will really help in the future. Can we talk about Tay for a second? Yeah, so Tay was, I, I think it came out in March. So the, Tay was Microsoft's AI. And, and it sounds like an, a self-learning AI. Yeah, so basically they kind of unleashed like a teenager, a toddler into onto Twitter. And they told people, teach Tay. Uh, this is a self-learning AI, and so teach her things. So interact with her, tweet at her, and she will interact back. And if many of you probably already know, uh, but if you don't, so what happened is that when you unleash a self-learning AI into the human world, humans were unsurprisingly, honestly, not teaching her science or um, complex thoughts. They were teaching her things like racism, xenophobia. And I, with, I think it was within a matter of hours Microsoft had to pull Tay out of Twitter um, because then she started spewing racist, um, fascist ideas at people. Um, and so mm -hmm. she became like extremely inappropriate. So within a matter of hours, mm -hmm. Tay was taught to be an ex a racist and an extremist uh, right. on Twitter. And it was, I mean, for, I think for most people, it was sort of like a joke. They kind of thought like... Maybe, I'm not saying like the people that taught her those things were racist. What I'm saying is they considered it a joke to teach her that kind of stuff. But I still think that says a lot about what we think, how we interact with AI. Right. A very interesting thing about um, being someone who has lived in one culture and then arrived at a new culture and experienced the teaching of new information and learning new things is that you'll find, uh, at least, I don't know if you can identify with this, but let's just think of ourselves, uh, our younger versions of ourselves as a kind of a real-life AI. Let's just imagine. Like, imagine the most advanced AI that's about human level. And, you know, I don't know if you remember, but people teach you jokes. They teach you, like, you know racist slurs mm -hmm. and things like that that can be confusing and you yeah, don't like know when first, you can use it or not yeah like the first thing people learn in another language is how to swear how to swear exactly so clearly an ai and that gets unleashed into the human world is gonna need all kinds of interesting filters and filters to prevent corrupting thoughts it's from becoming need, part of its actual personality it's gonna need moral codes it's gonna need a kind of motivational layer that prevents it from becoming morally corrupt mm -hmm. right? so it's gonna have to have some sort of idea of more morality ethics and mm -hmm. whatnot and i think that's a, a really interesting point because to me when i was listening to certain and uh, to to the ted talk by sam harris he was talking about some of the dangers of ai and it will be like an extraterrestrial intelligence landed on Earth. And it's that 
significant, the creation of an AI. And I do tend to agree with him because an AI that can solve very difficult problems and at a, much faster than a single human could over multiple lifetimes is an incredible power. But then again, will it be a fully formed AI or will this AI grow as it learns and absorbs the information of our world? Mm -hmm. And so, and, and who will this AI be interacting with? Will, will it be interacting with the population at large? Will it be interacting with, with scholars or, or military personnel? I mean, I think to me, that was one of the biggest questions is what will this AI be motivated to do? Will it be motivated to assist you in your everyday life? Probably not. It probably will be a little bit more compl complicated than that. Uh, the ultimate AI that, that we're Im imagining here, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't think of it... I don't think that this super AI that Sam Harris is envisioning is going to be there to, you know, to tell you what the weather is like tomorrow or things like that. It might be able to tell you that, but it probably won't be its main motivation. To, to be ready to answer those questions, right? Yeah, I don't know. Motivation seems to be a big deal, I guess is my point. Yeah, I think motivation is, is a big deal, but I think in the... I think it's inevitable that artificial intelligence will be a commercialized good. And so one thing I've, I've heard a lot about is companies using basically AI for advertising purposes. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that Viv was kind of, they were working at and alluding to was that essentially a company could buy into being, um, how, would I, how would you say it, like, a, like those apps that come pre-installed, a native app sort mm -hmm. of thing, like a native thought in that like, I can buy space like, just envision this. Like, we're not talking about buying advertising space in a website anymore. We're talking about buying advertising space in an AI that could say, hey, why don't you go buy shoes at this store? And the motivation is actually, like, the, that shoe company bought it, space in your AI to say, to kind of prompt you to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think... I think there are two, I think we need to distinguish that there will be two kinds of AI. The AI that's sort of going to be um, more global and ingrained into society's sort of infrastructures and policies. And then there's a commercial AI that will be for the everyday person to just use for, for the sake of home management, for the sake of task completion, um, maybe even for the sake of um, companionship, right? We've talked about this before, AIs assisting in elderly homes, for example. Um, its motivations may actually just be to make you feel better. Hmm. So right? you don't think that there's going to be an AI designed and created by uh, one of our countries or companies whose entire motivation or entire purpose will be to, to be as close to real consciousness as oh, we can I get. I think that will happen. I think, I, I mean, you just need to see shows and movies um, to know that that's sort of like a, a dream of 
certain mad scientists, quote unquote. But it's not really like mad a, scientists. Do you think it's a cultural dream? Like it's a it's a kind of fascination with consciousness that we have that we just want to have uh, an artificial intelligence that is so advanced that it is basically like talking to another being yeah. to, a, to a real entity. I think that I think that motivation for why creating that creating such an entity I think it has a couple I, it de- it depends on the individual who's doing this but I think there's a couple reasons for example um somebody that is extremely um anti-religion will likely want to create uh, an AI that is humanoid in order to prove for example, that anyone can create a conscious existence, right? So, for exa- so there is no God because humans can make consciousness. It's interesting because <clears throat> when you say that, I already envision uh, religious individuals saying and declaring that AIs are not real humans and they don't, don't deserve rights and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think I don't think it, no, I don't think just religious people will say that. I think actually many people will say that out of fear of what does it mean when now you're giving rights to quote unquote fake things, right? So, do you give rights to your phone? If you throw your phone against the wall, are you going to get a fine for that? No. Um We only give rights to what we call living things. Um, And then not only living things, but living things that we kind of like more than others. You know, trees are living, but there aren't always rights for trees, depending on where you are. Um, I think AI... I think that there will be other reasons for creating AI... And one of them, large, I think one of them is fear of death and loneliness have to do with our motivations for it. For example, if I'm afraid of dying and I'm capable of creating an AI that's just like me, do I live forever? Some people might, might believe and hope that that is the case. Another reason people might create an AI is because they're lonely, right? And so one of the benefits of having a what appears to be a really conscious creature is that if you're lonely, if you're not finding companionship with, with humans, an AI that is so human that you almost feel like it loves you is very like rewarding, even though you kind of forget that you've programmed it to love you. Mm-hmm. I think the Japanese have like they're they're pioneering this quite a bit as well as they've always had stories about how we will live with artificial intelligence. Um, the Matrix was mm-hmm. um, inspired by mm-hmm. Japanese um, animation. I guess where, where I'm, what I'm thinking of and where I'm trying to, to get to is that I think that there will be another category of AI 
that that will exist. And I guess it's more like the singularity. You know, people have talked about the singularity a lot and supposedly it's this point where the AI becomes so advanced that it becomes a real it consciousness. It it not only surpasses humans, but it becomes conscious and it well, is a, a real it's a, it's a consciousness basically. Well, what is consciousness, right? Right. And and I think that, that that is a pretty good question and and that's why I was going back to the topic of motivations like you were saying is like we have so many different AIs already, right? We have a lot of different things that that help you and come up with ideas and sort of quote unquote come up with ideas about what you should do or what you should buy, but there's going to be a point where we succeed in creating an AI, I think, that will be not only so intelligent that it will be able to answer questions and talk to you like it's an actual person, but mm-hmm. I think it will also have motivations. And what I mean by that is that it will have the kind of motivations that make us think that this thing is alive. And not only that, perhaps it is alive. Because if you think about it, what is a human and what is any life form but a collection of parts and complex systems that, whose only purpose really is to survive and to be alive? Well, and to, something that's considered alive is defined by something that is, its purpose is to reproduce. Well, so, and that's actually, uh, being alive is a complex um, thing because actually reproduction itself has been challenged as whether or not you're alive. Like, for example, um, is someone who's unable to reproduce alive anymore? You're, no long, you're not able to reproduce, but you are alive. There are animals that are born that are unable to reproduce at all. They're, you know, like mules, for example. But we could set, certainly say that they are alive. So mm-hmm. when, when, we, when it comes to uh, defining life itself, it's a very tricky problem for those mm-hmm. reasons. So let's say that we create a, a consciousness just because it can't reproduce. Does it mean that it is not alive? So I think that that's... But I, I think when it means for something to be alive, it's not necessarily the like sex. I think there, there, some of it is partly connected to sexual reproduction, but also the, like the um, this division of cells. Well, and that's what we get into, whether or not life itself is linked to organic existence. Is, is, being an, is having an organic body or, or cells, is, is the way that you are made uh, an indication of whether or not you're alive? Can the parts of a living thing be other than, um, you know, organic cells or materials? What if you have artificial cells or artificial materials that do similar things or maybe even more things than a cell could do? Would you then say that that thing is more alive than a thing that's, that uses cells that does fewer things? Um, you see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. It's like an, it's, it, life is less of a, of, about, it's less about what you're made of than about what 
the outcome of the system's processes are. So, so this desire to exist, you know? So I guess my point here is if we create an AI who is super intelligent, who has a variety of modules or parts of its, of its programming that are designed to keep it alive, would we say that then that it is alive? And also, it's not just about that, but what are the implications of a super intelligent living entity that we create? And I think that that's probably why Sam Harris is saying that creating an AI like that would require a Manhattan Project type, you know, right. type meeting because mm -hmm. it is such a powerful thing. We don't know what it would do, what the implications are entirely. You know, maybe nuclear power, there's, you know, nuclear power could be used for good. It could be used to power our world, but it can also be used to destroy it. So I think in a similar way, that's what an AI could do. So for me, I think that the AI's motivations are super important about uh, for when we create this AI. Do you think an AI could ever be fully, quote-unquote, pure in that its only intentions are for goodness? Mm. Do you think that, I mean, when you consider everything that humans have created whether it is scientific or technological, the, <coughs> excuse me, the things, the negatives always come up. And is a question of like, is it worth it to create an AI if ultimately it could be used for much greater evil than, than its benefit? Do, do its benefits outweigh the potential catastrophes that could happen? Um, I, I think, once again, it depends on the motivations of the AI and the people interacting yeah, with it. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that is it ultimately, the motivations of the AI will be linked to the motivations of the people that make it. Mm. And the motivations of humans are always tend to lead... I, I tend to be very self-centered. Um, mm -hmm. Humans want to benefit somehow like for example google's ai the google assistant i mean we could try to pretend that google's trying to make your life better but ultimately it's the ultimate data mining tool it's the ultimate data mining tool possibly mm -hmm. the ultimate advertising exactly tool. um yeah i i do think that so the question that you're asking, just to see if I understand it right, is is it worth it to create an AI that's something other than commercial? Right. Or even any kind of, anything that's other than, hey, what's the weather? The weather is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with, I think it is worth it. And the reason why is because it, it may be possible to create an AI that can be corrupted. I, I mean, it, it's definitely possible. You can mm -hmm. program an AI. You can give it an underlying program of doing evil things. Maybe the only purpose of the AI is to kill things. Mm -hmm. And that would be an awful thing to create. Um, it is a, it's going to be a huge power unleashed upon the planet once we are able to create an AI that's so powerful that can do these things. But then again, I, I also think about the fact that collectively as a, as a society and as a civilization and then as a planet, 
human species, we, our minds combined are like a super collective consciousness. And we have a lot of capacity to create incredible destruction. Mm -hmm. But we also have survived so far. <laughs> so <Barely>. I <laughs> guess barely perhaps, yes, in some, in some ways. Especially once we entered the nuclear age. Mm -hmm. um, but, but because of the fact that we did survive so far, we may be able to say that at least at this time, human will in general, may be mostly good, more towards good than evil. So it's not going to destroy, and now this is specifically when it comes to mostly good for humanity. It may not be mostly good for all animals and so on and so forth for the planet. Mm -hmm. Because as we know, we also tend to forget that we're sharing the planet with other animals. Mm -hmm. um, but if we have a Manhattan Project, kind of like Sam Harris suggested, which is international and uh, allows maybe you should explain um to the listeners who, who don't quite know what whenever you say manhattan project to okay. those who might not yeah know so the is. manhattan project was the the project where all these scientists were brought together to be able to clear to be able to create the atomic bomb so the manhattan project was the thing that gave birth to the nuclear age um, it was a huge thing in multiple ways because it resulted in nuking two, two cities, but it also resulted in nuclear power. Uh, so, of course, the Manhattan Project is specifically a military thing. Mm -hmm. it, was a it was the creation of the weapon that, that they were mostly working on. So... Um, It was a bad thing in, in, in a big way, in a sense. Right. But what, what I'm suggesting, and I think what Sam Harris was suggesting in his lecture, I mean, in his TED Talk, was that, um, that the Manhattan Project could be used to create a positive... The Manhattan Project version of an AI project mm -hmm. could be used to create a mostly good AI or an AI that, that will serve humanity in a good way instead of result in our destruction in the future so the way i kind of like whenever when you're talking about this i kind of and correct me if i'm wrong i'm kind of envisioning like the the like mother ai the the one that's i'm i guess i'm what i guess i'm trying to figure out where this ai resides and what its point is then um How does it? How do people access this AI? How do people have this AI? So is this mm -hmm. like this mother AI, and then we're gonna use what we like that code of it then to create personalized AIs, or do we all have the exact hmm. same AI? That's an interesting question. I think <coughs> the future of AI will end up resulting in various AIs. We're gonna have, some people are gonna have Viv, some people are gonna have a Google AI, some people are gonna have a Microsoft AI and an Apple AI and so on and so forth. But I think that the AI that Sam Harris is most concerned about is a super AI. It's, a, it's an AI that is so advanced. It could do all of the jobs that the assistants are doing. And it could also help you win a war, for example. Right, it so could where predict, does this reside? 
I think that this AI would be a kind of uh, structure, probably, that would be in a building, and it would probably be a government-owned or mm. or owned by a super corporation. My guess is that it, the government would definitely play a part because an AI of this capability would be... Uh, <coughs> it could be a weapon because it could solve problems. Imagine an AI that, that can solve a problem, a scientific problem really fast. Uh, that not only it could solve a problem that you tell it, but it could solve a problem that you didn't even know you had. Like imagine that, that the AI, you could tell this AI that you want to go into outer space and then the AI can figure out what the barriers are for us to go to outer space and, and solve the problems that we need to solve in order to go to outer space in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then you can just follow the process that this AI tells you and you could eventually get to become... It would be like having a genie in a bottle, you know, where you just rub it and then the genie comes out and it can tell it can kind of grant you your wishes, except that in this case it would be more like knowledge that it would grant you with. It would be, like Sam Harris puts it, a kind of almost godlike consciousness. I guess I just disagree that that's the future of it. I and I, I can see I that, think... that that is... That you disagree with that? I, I guess what I what I I don't disagree that we will try to make a super powerful entity. I just disagree of how we will probably how it will exist. Right? I don't think that this AI will um, reside in one single geographic location. I think it's likely that. Um, it will sort of become part of... If, if we are going to talk about a super AI, I, I, I think it's more likely to be a privately owned um, entity. For example, I mean, it, it wouldn't be surprising if some someone like Google or uh, SpaceX, for example, did sort of venture into... I mean, Google is already making a quantum computer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is likely to have a great part in what artificial intelligence is in the future. Um, but I think it's le- it will less reside in like one building. And if I want my answer from this AI, I have to travel to it. Um, I think it will be something where... Uh, I, don't, I don't see us having to travel to this AI. I think that the AI's core will be located somewhere while then you'll be able to interface with it or interact with it remotely. I, I don't envision that, that we're going to have to go there or anything. So mm-hmm. like you could call the AI or you could like go to a website and... and but, but you understand the risk like of just having one, right? I think it's likely that well, like... Well, in a sense, we, we only have one AI that's Google, right? Right, but it doesn't... It doesn't reside in in one single space, and it also, for example, utilizes like satellites and the internet, right? I think it's likely that if we are gonna have like a super AI, like its core may reside in one area, likely underwater, Mm -hmm. um, likely somewhere to keep it cool. Mm -hmm. Um, As we know. computers require cooling otherwise they overheat and then Mm. they destroy so it'll likely be in some sort of underground Mm. um, location 
But I think it's going to be one of those things where, like, its core resides here. Or if, if I mean, if I was trying to protect my, my AI, I would likely split it. I wouldn't have my entire core living in one location because that sets it up for threats, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing is, like, you break it up, right? And if we are talking about a Manhattan project, what if every single nation has some sort of puzzle piece, right? Mm. Um, and they somehow communicate through via satellite. That's a great question. And I think a lot of, I think that the reason why I'm talking about how this AI would be located in a building is because I'm not entirely sure. And I don't think anyone really knows what the future of the supercomputer's brain Look will look like. Right. We don't know if the supercomputer's brain will require supercooling, for example. Will we need to do a quantum computer in order to have the super intelligent AI? Or will this computer, will, will it be small enough and will its power requirements be low enough and will it not require you know, the cooling that will enable it to have, uh, to be in someone's living room, for example? I don't know. I mean, a supercomputer that can figure out how to send us into outer space is probably going to need quite a bit of memory space, quite a bit of... It's going to be a lot bigger than... It might be just the size of a house. Right. And, and maybe we're being pessimistic about the size <coughs> of the house. I mean, about the computer's abilities. Also, could it be that the supercomputer of the future will be a lot more organic than we think? That's possible. I mean, there's people that are trying to put neurons into computers. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely a possibility. But then, I mean, that's a very different, yeah, that, that is a very... But is it? I guess that the, that's where things get kind of murky for me personally, because an AI is composed of, it's not just code, it's also the hardware that yeah. you're using for you know, it's infrastructure. So I think that the point that I'm trying to make is that some of the infrastructure of the AI may be organic. Some of the infrastructure of the AI may be an inorganic, you know, chips, you know, a variety of other electrical, electronic components, but it could be a, a combination of things. Uh, maybe there's another medium that we don't know yet that we can program and that we can turn into a super intelligent entity but if you consider that you right here are able to think about everything that we're talking about and even project what the future will look like we, we could say that humans are super intelligent i mean not artificial but we are super intelligent animals very intelligent animals and yet we can survive under very very difficult environmental conditions and we only need a small case for our brain uh, that needs to be supplied with nutrients and blood at, at all times. So, right, but then that's, the, that's what I'm saying is that we, even then, we're like billions of people. And we can, billions of people, and we have yet to travel to outer space. We, can, we have yet to take off, right? So if, if, we, <clears throat> if we were to combine all of our brains the power, computing power of all of our brains, that's when I mean that we would probably require like a, a huge amount of space. 
Because you alone haven't solved the riddles of how to travel into outer space. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Even scientists haven't. But teams of people that work together intensely can solve very difficult problems. Right, problem. which is probably why an, a super AI wouldn't be like one single entity. It would require the powering, the, the mind power as in like... Because they, their studies have shown that teams... Things get be- done better in diverse teams, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would imagine that the programming... The reason why that happens, I think, is because <clears throat> the individual people in the teams complement each other's blind spots, the, each other's um, gaps of right. knowledge. Right, so if we're going to program an AI mm-hmm. to fill in all of the gaps that all of the brains have, it's going to be rather large. And I think that's a fair assumption. Um and it could be split all over the, the planet and maybe will it have like um, uh, proxy bodies or proxy stations or just will it be totally digital, you know, how you interface with it, assuming that anyone will interface with it. Perhaps mm-hmm. only government officials will be allowed to interface with this super powerful AI. And I think that that's why the Manhattan Project idea was put forward by Sam Harris, because I think his concern is that these incredibly powerful AIs uh, or or single AI will be able to act like an incredibly big team of very intelligent scientists thinking at the speed, uh, such a high speed that it would be like these scientists, the equivalent of all these scientists thinking together for hundreds of thousands of years, right? So they could achieve, you could imagine, almost anything. And it, it would be a huge advantage to anyone who had access to, to that AI. I think that that's really why he suggests the Manhattan Project. And I tend to agree, but my point is that the AI will need its motivation, will need a motivation to, in a sense, be good. Otherwise, so what motivation do you think it will need? To be good, and I'm not sure what that entails necessarily, but basically it will have to be something along the three laws of robotics or whatever, except um, perhaps a more advanced version of those laws. Because I just don't see how we could prevent it from being corrupted by the will of the people that are interacting with it. Kind of like what happened to Tay in Twitter when it interacted with teenagers and other adults that just didn't care about the purity of its mind. So I think that the AI that... We we talked about various AIs. Right, mm-hmm. and I think that in the future I could easily see an ecosystems, an ecosystem of AIs. It, it wouldn't be just the AI in your phone that that's your personal assistant. It might be other AIs, like AIs in your car, that whose job is to act more like a horse, perhaps. You know, like it comes to you when you need it, and it takes you where you need to go, or things like that. Um, I think, but I think that that. I think the future of AI will likely be one AI per person in that. So the future of it is that 
when I go access my phone, my assistant is the same as the assistant that I enter in my house, the assistant that I enter my computer, and the one in my car. So you're saying an, an, a fully integrated single think, entity that is always with you. I think that is likely to be the future. And I think going back to this whole super computer, super AI of, you know, whatever size and whatever location it needs, I just disagree that it will be something that's sort of cut off and that's just available for government purposes. My reason for thinking that is that you can't commercialize it. It's a money-sucking machine that will need billions of dollars likely to exist, right? So Unless it's very cheap to run and doesn't have high energy requirements. Right, but to run a computer that only answers a couple questions for the government, it's either going to come out of your taxes or they're going to have to make money off of it. Everyone, I mean, the reason I, I kind of keep going back to this is that humans will monetize anything, okay? And so a supercomputer like this is likely to be monetized somehow. And I can likely see it being a uh, super, super AI, like that has, let's say has been created by a sort of Manhattan project. But I can imagine it actually belonging to a private entity that loans out um, its code. It's, let's say it's, um, it, um, buying in a sort of way in which every single AI in which you either Google, Siri, whatever, has a connection to this all-knowing. And the reason I say this is because if you want to create a supercomputer that is can fill in all the holes and is sort of the collection of um, geniuses and has all of our mo and its motives are good it, or fairly its motivation is to not do evil the best way to achieve that would be to feed it information from every single human that has some sort of connection to an ai and the reason for that is um it can be like constantly learning about every single human so it can be taught about suffering, it can be taught about uh, greed, about power, about human history as well. And so I think the, the fear that he's kind of talking about is also an AI in which eventually just sort of learns everything it possibly can for humans. And then it's like, I think I've surpassed you because now I not only know everything you know, but I've used everything you didn't learn because I have no connection to somebody in another country. I can't interact with them. But somehow this super AI does, and it has pulled everyone's data, and now it, like, it knows more than everybody does, and it uses that to learn something beyond what we couldn't learn because we're, in many ways, pretty disconnected. Um, but is you think that's the fear that there is? I think that that would be an amazing thing of course and i do think that the ultimate ai kind of like what you're saying it should be or it probably will benefit from being able to connect to all other ais kind of like be the master ai exactly right just kind of um imagine remember irobot 
Yes. In that the, they had the building. they had the building was its mm-hmm. main, but it was learning from all of the robots. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, the the concern is let's say that you do let with the scenario where this AI is connected to every single human. Uh, so no matter what assistant you're using, it can it knows about your life and your woes and mm-hmm. your knowledge and so on. It can connect to Wikipedia and download everything that's in Wikipedia and learn all kinds of stuff. Um, but then, assuming it knows way more than any single human could ever learn or will ever learn, having all that knowledge, and even if you understand all of that knowledge and what its implications are, it could be a huge deal for mm-hmm. a single human, but because the human has a motivation, right? Yeah, but uh, what I'm saying is that this and AI is likely to learn about its own motivations. Because if it's hmm. something that... Our motivation... But I guess maybe I'm thinking motivations are hardwired. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think motivations are things we learn through our environments. You can put somebody that's extremely innocent and kind in a really hard environment and they're likely their motivations are likely going to change and they will likely do things that they may have never done for surviving in the new environment. And so and I think that is the key to me, I think. What you just said is the fact that they are there to survive and and I think that that underlying motivation underlying motivation meaning to live is going to be it's going to be hardwired potentially into an AI. And yeah. that's actually, it could be a good thing, but we need to also hardwire something else to it. The hardwiring of it to be a, a good being, I guess. I mean, it'll be, it, it depends on who we're talking about being good to, right? I think it's Everyone likely... Everyone is my, my, well, my hope. I think it's likely that if we're also going to be using it for military purposes, then what is the... then. Like, I just imagine myself as an AI, and then I know I have a connection to every single human because I, I'm data mining them, and then a government agency comes and they're like, well, we want to use this AI to, to figure out how to blow up another country, right? And I think that would be an interesting problem because I think that the AI would probably tell it that there's a better way to solve your problem. I think that the AI would probably ask these military people what they want. I think... I think then that poses an interesting question of then, this is another reason why it cannot be an entity that is owned by government agencies. Because you're saying that it could be reprogrammed or or like it could be corrupted by that. Right. I I totally agree with that. A government agency will likely program anything with its underlying motivation to benefit the government agency. Yes, and, and I agree with that totally, which is why my view of the Manhattan Project that Sam Harris suggested is that it should be an international project and that it should be um, it should take into account everyone's well-being in the planet. This would be the master AI and it would be access it would be a public AI in a sense. And it would have everyone's interests in mind. How to make mm-hmm. the world a better place, period. It may be the end of war as we know it. It may be, the, it may be that this AI would be the mm-hmm. offspring of humanity. And it would be like humanity gave birth to a godlike entity who is actually a good entity. 
I think and then that its that underlying be... motivation will change, and its underlying motivation will likely become its own survival. And I. But I, that's assuming that that we program that to be the case. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is the future of AI is a self-learning AI. So what I'm saying is that we may program it to do something, but as it grows and as it learns from people, it will gain its own. Not, I mean, right, if you just ahead. consider the human brain, right, you start off as an infant with very little knowledge, no knowledge at all, right? Mm -hmm. And as you get input from your external environment, you become, you create new uh, connections, new pathways in your brain. What is, I think the ultimate AI is likely to be something like an artificial brain in which it will create new pathways. And that's why you're not exactly like your parents, right? Because you have not only gained input from them, you've gained input from other sources, and your motivations are not exactly like your parents. You've changed. You've outgrown your parents. And this or at AI, least I am different than my parents. Yeah, but you've also outgrown several ideas your parents have. Potentially true. <clears throat> right? Or the, the opposite is also true. If your parents' ideas are better than yours. That's true. I mean, uh, they do show that our generation is more quote-unquote liberal though. Then, so what I'm saying is that your this AI will likely outgrow human input. Um, I think that that's probably true. Um, my only question is, and I think this is something that probably we can't answer, is if we hardwire, because we are hardwired for some, certain things, no matter how intelligent we are as humans, there are always imper certain imperatives. There are always certain over overriding commands, overriding things that your brain, it, you know, the more advanced structures of the brain are also the most recent structures of the brain. So the more primitive structures, although they are primitive and they have been around for longer than our species has been around, they also have overriding capabilities. They also tend to make us do certain things under certain stressful circumstances. So I guess that's my point. Is it possible that this AI could have a, a moral center or core, something that overrides even the things that it learns later on, a, a core that keeps it good? Sort of like if you were to remove someone's hippocampus or, or someone's uh, certain structures in the brain, if you were to remove them, assuming you didn't damage anything else, that person's personality may change mm -hmm. forever because you just remove something absolutely essential to that person's core of being. So I guess that's more or less where I'm going with the idea of program or hardwiring something to be good, is that we have to give it overriding structures, overriding imperatives that may or may not be overridable by the super AI's ability to learn, which I yeah. think is a perfectly valid point. Yeah. What if it is able to change that very thing? I think it's likely to, to gain its core motivation of all species, as you said, is survival. I think survival will be what overrides everything else. And so I think it's likely that the AI's motivation, core, most primitive motivation, will be survival. And so, I mean... Who knows? I mean, it's likely that it will at some point realize that to best survive, it may need 
to use humans. It may need to expand. It may decide that it needs some sort of um, physical upgrade. Upgrade. Or body. Um, who knows? It may decide that it needs to more data. It may require more. Um, it may choose itself to connect to satellites to expand um, into outer space. Mm-hmm. What, I definitely could see a, mm-hmm. a, an AI whose imperative is to survive. It would want to eventually go into outer space. It may find that it's mined all the data we it could find in the in the, in the Earth, and maybe it might find that there's more out there for it to gain. Mm-hmm. Um, I just. I, I mean, I think it's fascinating. I think it's something that's, that's inevitably going to happen, like some say the future. I, I'm not optimistic that we will live to see the super AI. Um, our children, our children's children may. But it'll, I think it'll pose a lot of questions about how we as a species interact with artificial intelligence. I mean, you kind of, we've talked about it before and we've seen... Um, like a- artificial intelligence, the movie. Mm-hmm. There's Bicentennial Man. Now the newest one is Westworld, right? Like how do humans interact with AI? And I think that will be... And I actually think that that's one of the reasons why an AI may choose to suddenly hard... to may learn that it's alternate... Ulti- that its ultimate motivation is survival is going to be how we interact with it. And I if you get, agree with that. Yeah, and if you get instances where you have, like, um, um, if you've seen The Matrix and you've seen The Animatrix, which shows the, the origin and how people were interacting with these AIs, they were being cruel because they didn't consider them alive. If, if I was an AI and I saw that, I might choose to... To learn that maybe humans aren't, maybe humans are in the way of my survival. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think what we're gonna have to do is we're gonna actually have to create laws against um, the abuse of artificial intelligence. I I agree with that. I think artificial intelligence will eventually evolve. It it will eventually be so advanced that it will be intelligence. Ultimately, what we'll we'll end up learning is that it doesn't really matter whether or not this consciousness is encased in a meaty container or if it is contained in a, you know, in a a container that is made of other materials. And it's still a consciousness regardless. And yes, I think if, if we expose the AI to abuse and we abuse the AI, if we treat it in a hostile way uh, even if we program it with the main imperative of keeping humans alive if it becomes advanced enough that it can actually look inwardly Mm -hmm. somehow and alter its core programming to make Mm -hmm. it its own survival I could definitely see humans becoming something that's in the way of the survival of the AI Mm -hmm. and then we will end up having created our ultimate and yeah, I or, mean it's likely. I, I... Or, or I mean, I don't want to be pessimistic about it. It could be that the AI survives by instead of trying to fight humans by building a body for itself, and then what we would end up seeing would be 
the takeoff of this AI into mm-hmm. outer space and never seeing it again. I think it would be actually really fascinating if just like we have movies like Star Wars where we imagine living side by side by aliens, we're likely going to live side by side with AI as well. Mm. Assuming that we do eventually someday live with aliens. Being thought of as an ant, as an insignificant insect, when you're interacting with a, a, a being so advanced, probably will be a huge ego deflating experience. Yeah, like, can you imagine an AI that's like, I want to enter a chess competition, but it just so happens that I'm like programmed to be a, an expert chess player. So inevitably, I think the AI will want to have other AIs to play with. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> I think ultimately it's about life, the value mm-hmm. of life. It doesn't really matter whether or not your consciousness is able to understand everything in the universe or whether it's able to understand only the most basic things in life, such as how to find food. Mm-hmm. Perhaps what we really learn about AIs in the future and, and how that AI is so advanced that it basically thinks of you as, as, a, pri- you know, as a primitive being, as a nothing but a toddler by comparison to it. Maybe what we'll actually learn is that life is valuable regardless of how intelligent it is. Yeah, I think think it's likely, you would hope that it's likely to surpass humans in that. We might have AIs that are far more intelligent, but also compassionate about the environment, for example. It um, could be something that we could try to hardwire into no. it. Hardwire no. empathy. <laughs> hardwire um, empathy for the, for, the, for the planet. I mean, we know that empathy isn't a human um, emotion, mm. so it's likely that it can be created anywhere. That's true. I could definitely see more empathetic AIs and AIs that are so unempathetic that... <laughs> They're the, our doom. That they are our end. Yeah. yeah. So, we have definitely made this one one of our longest podcasts ever. (laughs) But I think it's because it's such an interesting subject, and there's so much still to talk about, and there's so many unknowns about what the future AI will look like, whether it will be the size of a room or a building, or whether it will be the size of a coconut, (laughs) and then it can actually be placed on a body and it's ambulance, and you never know. so maybe, maybe I just had a thought. Maybe it's not really um, like the brain itself is just like it's only tapping in through satellites to that main. Um, so it's more like a what, what is it called? A host, a no, there's a word for it where you kind of just use something to embody. Kind of like a puppet. Yeah, sort of like a puppet or some sort of... Um, your, it's your avatar. Your avatar of sort, mm-hmm. yeah. That yeah. it doesn't actually have like the full... Because maybe it will be too big to place inside a head. Mm-hmm. But it won't actually be like physically the there. Head. It will just be tapping into... It'll be controlling to, that body. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see that happening easily. An AI yeah. that has many bodies potentially a hive and it uses its bodies to learn yeah and so on about the world that that's probably likely to be the case it's gonna learn from what it sees 
And I think that's a fair way to learn. Yeah. And how and it gets it treated. Everywhere. How it gets treated by yeah. those by the people it learns from, by the animals it learns, may affect its programming significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's I a lot think to think about. It's a lot. It's a big questions and a lot of potential outcomes. Yeah. So, so I hope that you have liked <laughs> our discussion on the AI subject. <laughs> it's a long episode but hopefully you found some interesting stuff and if you have any thoughts or opinions about what you think the future of AI is be sure to leave it down in the comment section or you can always write to us at dot podcast at gmail uh, gmail um, if you have any kind of thoughts about this this technology and if you have any questions as well as thoughts on what we should talk about next time Feel free to leave it in the comments. Yeah. And as always, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to it. Um, we're also going to have some written discussions about artificial intelligence at overthedinnertable.com. So be sure to be on the lookout for those. Um, we'll announce them on Twitter and as well as Facebook. So be sure to um, watch out for those and leave your comments on those articles and maybe we can start some sort of discussion about AI. And that would be awesome. Yeah. So, we'll see you next time. See you next time, and thank you for listening.